word why. What a curious word. The kind of word that can make us cringe, feel defensive, or even distant. But you know, sometimes why is the key. The key that can unlock so much to our lives. Join me as we explore the why with fascinating contributors to the world. Those that entertain us, inform us, teach us about life, and if we're lucky, inspire the next in all of us. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and welcome to Headroom, a production of Rainlight and co-produced by Old Soul. Let's go. Guys, it's so nice to look at such a treat when I get to spend time with people in their domain, like in their, on their home turf. Very different, right? In a world of Zoom and, and pixelated worlds, which of course we're going to be talking about, uh, it is kind of nice to be able to spend time in person uh, with people. Okay, we talked off air a little bit, um, especially Danny, you and I did a little bit um, about some of the conversations and interviews I've had with people in, this, in the meta world. We're just going to use that very broadly. Why? Tell me about you and Zach, and, and as we get to know each other here, talk about sort of what it is inside you guys that says, we don't really care how old we are, or like, we're willing to jump into the fray, because I think that's such an interesting area, right? People will talk about success and what they've achieved, but it's like, there's got to be something inside the two of you that one, you work well together, and two, that you're unafraid of the unknown. Yeah. Zach, so you're you're having a visceral reaction to what I'm saying. So kind of lay that down for me. Help me understand I'm really that. Excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say um I think you hit it on the head when you said how does this relationship work, right? This symbiotic relationship between you two, how does that really uh go together, right? Like peanut butter and jelly or yeah. cereal and milk and that type of thing. And I would say that it's so strong because we both do entirely separate things but at a very high level and on Danny's side he's the tech and on my side I have the relationships and I'm able, I'm able to leverage them like we just did a um, a big time commercial with Tyree Kill, Jadakiss, uh, Big Mike from Impulsive, Scott Storch is doing the beat for it and uh, just leveraging those relationships to make it a five figure commercial right and uh, save every last dollar we can and then put the rest of it into our company when companies like FTX and SPF whatever you think are spending tens of millions to put on Super Bowl commercials and pay for that runtime and do all these type of wardrobe changes and that you know we're entirely self-funded and if we do come across anyone else's money we'll treat it as our own you know and we're building a solid foundation with uh, solid business fundamentals absolutely Dan, tell me about the relationship with Zach. Uh, I mean, I, I think you described it the best. We, uh, you know, I think we both kind of stay in our lanes, right, when it comes to the day-to-day operations. Zach is insanely good at what he does, right? We, he's, a, he's a superhero to, to Mosverse. He's got all these amazing relationships. He networks like crazy. He's, you know, he's been able to drive a lot of business for us that way. Um, and then I'm insanely focused and engulfed on, on just working on the products and on building out the tech. Right, to just try to connect those relationships you know, to what we're doing in the product space. So, so then let, let's pivot a little bit. Talk about, the, what, let's do a state of the union on sort of what is out there. Because I don't think people have a good idea. I don't even think we can use sort of age as an excuse, even someone like me in my mid-40s. I just don't think people have an idea. It's like walking into a warehouse not knowing what is behind a shelf. But you guys have a really good beat on that because I would imagine that impacts what you develop 
and why you develop it. So talk about the process of deciding about the world you are building. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's a good question. There's a lot out there, but at the same time, I want to say there's not really a lot out there. Okay. So there's been a lot of a lot of ideas that are, are maybe being funded, right? And a lot of it maybe is going to R and D, but we haven't seen we haven't really seen much product come from that. If I'm a business today and I want to enter the metaverse, there are not many options for me. Uh, I can, you know, I, I can go to Decentraland or I can go to, you know, one of these open projects like a sandbox and invest some dollars in, you know, in, in their ecosystem and get somebody to build out, you know, like a small space. But I don't have a lot of control over that experience, right? I can't control what the, per, you know, what the plot next to me has going on, um, you know, which was, was a concern for, I, th I think, for a lot of businesses and brands. Um, so is that invigorating for you, someone in technology that it hasn't, in essence, these things haven't been structured or built? And I know I'm using that term loosely because we're talking not about the physical space. Because some people I would think would be like, I think there are people out there that are incredibly talented. They start to see, wow, look what's being built. I think I can improve on that. And then there's another crop of people that say, I'm cool with a blank slate. Like that does not make me nervous. If anything, it invigorates me because you may be in technology, but you're incredibly creative to be able to do what you're doing. Right. But sort of common vernacular would have you as, all right, you're the technology guy, but you're an artist. Right. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah, we're you know we're creating worlds from scratch. So definitely a ton of art that goes into that. Uh, even the technology behind it. Uh, with some of the scale we're trying to achieve, there's a lot of art. It's not just science. There's a lot of art that there's a lot of creativity that you know where we're doing things that are very difficult to do. They don't really exist today. Um, so kind of piecing that together is is, is an art in itself. Um, and you know I. I think for us, what we're trying to do is, you know, we want to make the metaverse a possibility today, right? Not five to ten years from now, which I think is what a, you know a lot of our competitors' timelines look like. Um, so, you know, and not just make it, you know, not just make it a, a thing today, but make it accessible, make it cost-effective for businesses, especially with, you know, with the state of the market that we're kind of entering. So, because you're building from scratch, tell me about the thought process and understanding if something is actually working. Like it's one thing if we go outside and we look at a car and it's like, well, why is this not working? Well, we have generations of data on why a vehicle is either working or it's not, right? We Just the engineering behind it. But if you're building a world from scratch, because it's interesting, we're going to look back in 20 years, right? And go, man, I'm going to say to myself, man, when I sat down with those guys, this is kind of where the world was at. And now look at it. Like yeah. we didn't know what we didn't know. So how do you instill in sort of your own practices from a technolo technological perspective, sort of that quality control, or at least the questions that, that keep you sharp? I would say from my perspective, just since I've known Danny, that he is the single biggest expert I've come across um, in all things blockchain, Web3, whatever you name it. So he's always on the cutting edge. And I think what's been the most invigorating, as you said earlier, and the most exciting is the fact that the ideas and concepts that we had over a year ago in 2021 are starting to take place where we've been wanting to democratize uh, the metaverse and Web3 and all that type of stuff. And now and we really wanted to empower brands and people alike to be able to build their company and brand in the metaverse and have their own identity. And now we see the Nikes and we see the Gucci's trying to establish themselves in the metaverse. And we say, we were, we hit it on the head in 2021. We were kind of against the grain back then doing something that other people weren't doing and now heading into 2023. That's where things are 
heading towards and our timing is perfect for Mozverse and the brand alike. And then as far as Ultrano goes, our product, it's the fastest. You know, it's the fastest and it's also the best performing. But if you just measure the speed, the pure speed, it's the, the fastest compared to all of them. So that's usually a pretty good indicator. Now, because maybe we're sitting in a music studio here, I'm going to just use some words and maybe lend itself to music production in this way. But so, so, so Zach, so talk about the messaging, right? It, so it's one thing for Danny to be building something that hasn't been built, right? It's another thing to be able to take that, see what's developing, and then craft words around it, almost like a song, to then pull people in, right? Because you're an influencer. People like to be around you. They gravitate towards you. That's incredibly beneficial. I'm hearing from what Danny's saying, just is what you're collaborating on together. But man, that, that's an art and a science to be able to nuance the rhythm and the pacing of what and what you're not not selling, I guess, but what you're introducing people to. Yeah, it's a big change, right? When you talk to a lot of people, they say, well, what's Web3? <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, so that's definitely a challenge and finding those right words. I think the biggest thing that's helped me is being on the ground floor and actually being at the event. Something that I'm really excited about and what's really driving me lately is our live stadium. And that, um, you know, we just you just talked to Scott Storch, and yeah. he's going to be a big part of Life Stadium, and that's going to be for uh, music performances and sporting events as well. And that's going to be um, just an experience where the audio drives the visual, and the visual drives the audio to where when a linebacker makes a crunching hit in a running back, you feel it in your bones, like you're on the 50-yard line uh, on the field. Or if a boxer lands a It makes me want to sit up a little straighter here, Zach. Yeah, it's exciting. And um, those are the type of experience that I've been lucky to experience as an influencer and that I've had the privilege to be able to. I'm grateful for that. And I'm, I think we're trying to allow millions of other people to have that same experience, right? Or there is a versus concert with Jadakiss to allow people to be on stage with him to where they can touch him and offer a meet and greet after and to feel that raw energy and that passion that the music provides for you. That's a different experience than watching through a phone screen. You know, and I think once you start to relay that message, people understand a little bit better. When you can relate it to the real life, when you've actually experienced it and you're not just behind a computer typing about the experience, you've actually lived it and can describe it in detail. Let's lean into your age i think it's fascinating because for generations right it was well the younger generation just had they have to put the time in right there's sort of a ladder that you have to climb but this is a space where i'm gonna i'll go ahead and make the uh, the claim here but i would think that your age is actually the benefit is a massive benefit because I hear whispers that technology companies out there, they're kind of missing the target when they think about the metaverse. They're trying to like cater to maybe my generation, but that feels already out of date. Like they should actually be targeting Gen Z. Yeah, and that's definitely the people they should be bringing on as well. Um, yeah, I think people, especially people that are looking to invest in the space are looking for young people. For sure. So Gen Z it's a value. It's definitely a value, right? You don't want your 40-year-old developers to be the only people part of your virtual world. So I was talking with Scott a little bit. I've, uh, I got a chance to interview Deepak Chopra about his Chopraverse. And he made this statement that I, I, it still sticks with me. And he talked about how your generation is actually starting to get annoyed with the physical world. Because in the metaverse... In, in a digital world, a virtual world, you can manipulate your surroundings. Where if we, when we walk outside later, we can't move a palm tree here in Miami Beach, you know, yeah. with, by a sleight of hand. Um, help me understand that. Is that is does that resonate for you? 
that concept of being more comfortable in a virtual space than a physical space? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll get into my background yeah. a little bit. I've been a lifelong gamer, and that's where really the metaverse is at right now, if you really look into it. And uh, um, growing up, I played tons of video games, um, Madden, to all types of sports games. And my background's in sports, but other ones as well. And uh, eventually, I uh, watched the movie Ready Player One, which uh, definitely opened my eyes to the, the possibility of the metaverse and Web3 and everything alike. And uh, later on, after that, I would play uh, VR chat with my brother, who isn't into the same things as I am, but it allowed me to connect with him on a deeper level. We both had this common interest of the the metaverse and virtual reality and um, an immersive environment, right, as uh, we talked about. And then uh, after that, I really got into it. I read the book Snow Crash, and uh, then I met up with Danny, but the concept of a virtual immersive world where I can hang out with my friends and chat, and um, especially, I think it amplified with COVID as well. Yo, I'm sure. Tell me about that book. So, Snow Crash? Yeah, so that's um, the first iteration of the metaverse. That's where it was first mentioned, um, as well as the term avatar. And it's just really the origin of the metaverse and the concept when it was fleshed out. So, to both of you, I think it's fascinating. I, I saw where, as we're starting to understand, there are new rules to the game. Right. I mean, we don't have to name the, the company, but Danny, we were just talking off air about how, you know, there's a certain very iconic brand that even just months ago said, oh, we we have no sort of uh, reason to partake in the metaverse. And that turned very quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, that's going to change so much. And I saw something that, again, this may just date me, but this this concept that, you know, a CMO traditionally is a chief marketing officer. Right. And now we're talking about corporations having chief metaverse officers so extend for me so we're talking about entertainment and what mosverse do and, and we want to get into nfts and sort of the marketplace component of it but let's sort of let's go down that path of the transactions sort of the market the business of the metaverse because when you shared that with me i thought wow that means that you've got people in boardrooms with their brains exploding on what they really don't know yeah, so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So I think a, a key component in most business, at least their marketing strategies and through 2023, and we'll probably see the same thing through 2024 and so on and so forth, is what's our metaverse strategy? What's our go-to-market strategy in the metaverse? And there's a lot of reasons for that. An interesting one is uh, driving a higher margin uh, in the business. Um, we've been in talks with a... Uh, I can't say the name, but a, a very large uh, music festival group. Um, and a, we worked out a bunch of interesting financial models. And a lot of the value that they're seeing in being able to uh, digitize these, uh, uh, I'm sorry, these uh, music events that they're having is they're substantially cheaper uh, to operate in the metaverse, much less infrastructure. They could design the venue as big or as small as they'd like to You're not to worried be. about weather. Exactly. <laughs> Cloud computing is very cost effective. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I think that's one, you know, big piece of it. It also allows, you know, for a, for a lot more in commerce. Um, you know, if the metaverse is built on top of a Web3 component, right, then you've got all these smart contracts and kind of, you know, that do a lot more for 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 commerce, not just for the brands itself, but for a lot of the creators behind, you know, some of the things that are being sold in, in the platform and, and so on and so forth.
Headroom is produced by Old Soul, a one-stop marketing agency that understands the power of brand and nuance. Reach out to my guy, Matt, at Old Soul and supercharge your brand and content strategy. That's Old Soul. Shoot Matt a note at aoldsoul.com. That's A-O-L-D-S-O-U-L.com. Let's talk about and now, education or guests. educating people on the possibilities, whether it's the corporate world, right, that says, wait a minute, now we need to understand what these guys like Danny and Zach are doing um, to understand how that will apply to our talent pool and how they work and where they work and all of those sorts of elements. But in the education of, in essence, what it is, so like we talk about NFTs, right? And I know that's a big part of sort of what you're looking at and understanding in the marketplace and the applicability of that. I would gather to say that, I don't know, seven out of 10 people, if we just walked around, maybe not Miami, maybe Miami is much more sort of in step with it, but just middle America wouldn't know exactly how to describe what an NFT is. So not that we have to describe that, but I'm curious from both of your perspectives on the role education or educating the market plays in the success of what you're building. Because you could build the most amazing world, right? But if people at their own sort of foundational level don't understand exactly what it is, I think the psychology of people is that if I don't understand it, I don't want to feel sort of dumb in the moment, so I'll just avoid it. So talk about the education as you're building, right? As you're influencing and pulling people in. Is that a part of what you, the way in which you talk about it sort of behind the scenes and building the company that we want to be as advanced as possible and innovative, but we're going to have to educate people along the way so that they feel welcomed into our world. Yeah, we want to be innovative in the education aspect as well. And behind the scenes, I'm texting Danny or WhatsApping him different ideas and ways we can stay relevant and current with the education side of things. And I'm kind of gnawing at the bit to get going and talk about it and um, I think the coolest way and the way we're doing it right now is through um, the commercials right we just shot the one with Tyree Kill and Jada Kiss and Scott Schwartz from the beat behind it and uh, we've got one coming up with uh, Scott and Danny that's a lot more educational right that's more yeah, just explaining right an actual walkthrough with products and then you see even uh, places like LinkedIn they offer educational videos for creators and web3 and you know just offering people the ability to learn but i think uh we're taking that one step further in appealing to the influencer side of things which is where i know and as an influencer myself and knowing all of them i know how to attack the market and explain it correctly and it seems like a be a built-in advantage that you're now i don't know did you decide so you just touched on it there zach that sort of the the influencer component but pulling into to your world in the Mozverse, the entertainment piece feels like a really nice soft sell to get people in who otherwise might be sort of reticent about something new. And maybe I'm talking generationally here, but when it's around entertainment, that can feel less, I don't know, sort of off-putting or stressful to some new technology, right? I mean, think back to when the iPod came out and the iPod, I mean, there were I mean, people just didn't understand it. Now, the younger generation did, and now it's commonplace. Um, but talk about sort of the impact of entertainment and live stadium and how you think that's going to impact your business plan. You know, we look at the first product. It was the iPod Nano. It was <laughs> only music, right? So I think that's entertainment's always the first adapter along with um, some other stuff we don't talk about, but <laughs> adult stuff, but... Yeah, I think uh, entertainment's definitely easy for people to grasp, and it's one that uh, is applicable to anyone on the planet. Yeah. M&E tends to, I think, be early adopters to utilize technology for lots of reasons, to better understand the consumers, to, you know, to be able to provide better experiences to their consumers. 
Um, you know, we think it's going to be a, a huge part of our business. Uh, the amount of feedback that we've been getting on the live stadium product from you know lots of large brands in the M&E space has been it's been amazing. It's a whole new channel, not just of you know of revenue and opportunity for them, but it's a whole new way to deliver an experience to their consumers, which didn't exist before. What inspires you, Danny? Like, how do you like? What do you do in your off time that gets you sort of I don't know. Cause I do. I it's like Zach. You're smiling. I think of Danny as as an artist, but I his him working. I don't know. When he's <laughs> off time he's off time. I don't think he has off time. But like his paintbrushes are different, right? Yeah. And so, what do you like? What inspires you, or what do you sort of pull from when you think about what my experience might be in a live stadium kind of product? Yeah, but internally, just my own life experiences. What you know? What would I want to get out of this? Uh, you know, what would my close friends and family want to get out of this? Uh, I think I look internally. Obviously, I keep um, you know an eye on what's going on in the market, but just in general, you know, where the market's lacking, where the experience is lacking. Like, why can't I have it my way, right? Why, you know, why do I? Why can't I control the audio around me? Like, if you know, if I want to, if I don't want to hear the person screaming or singing along to the song because they don't sing that great, right? Why can't I control that? Yeah, and when you have someone like Scott messing with it. And improving it and you know saying it's so that's when you know you're good to go <laughs> was there danny was there a an advancement sort of in the technology that was sort of the final like threshold that you needed to cross to say all right i'm in like we need to be doing this tell me about the decision that you guys when you said all right we're doing this we're going to work on this together because now the technology has gotten to a point where we can dream big and realize it now as opposed to five, 10 years. Yeah. Um, you know, I think like most entrepreneurs were insanely optimistic when we started this, uh, you know, had no idea how difficult putting together some of this tech was going to be, you know, kind of just <laughs> <laughs> lived on hopes and dreams for a while. So I guess we're thankful that you, you yes. weren't aware of that because otherwise would you have continued, do you think, or? No, I, th I think, I mean, and this probably goes for most entrepreneurs. I, I think if you really understood the battles and the challenges you're going to face, you know, over the next five years of your life, you would, you would never get into, you'd be a maniac to do something like that. So, you know, I, I think part of that is just being a maniac and, and, uh, you know, not caring and just going to get this done one way or is another. Is it controlled chaos? Very controlled chaos. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes less controlled than other times, but <laughs> for the most part, it's very controlled chaos. Absolutely. That, but that might be the beauty of it, right? I mean, that's if you're going to create something brand new from scratch, that there's going to have to be some mess, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people could see your faces just in that, you know. Um, Zach, talk about the, the power of influence. Um, because... People are really, I think, starting to understand the value of it. We've gone through sort of these waves. Yeah. Was it the reality show kind of stuff? You know, was it the sort of the first quote unquote family, the Kardashian? Like all these sorts of ways we've understood the power of personal brand and then finding ways to disseminate that brand that can bring people back. Right. You're podcasting out with Jada Kids, like you're doing all kinds of things. Yeah. How how has working on this with Danny impacted the way in which you think? about how you want to influence, not just today, but sort of in the coming months and years. Yeah, I would say, um, speaking at a point earlier about the keeping up with the Kardashians, I think the next big thing is going to be keeping up with the Moslems when we get uh, Danny's family and his babies and his dog. Um, yeah. Stay tuned for that, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm producing it. Uh, influence is... Uh, a little breaking news. No. Yeah. Uh, influence is so important, and... Uh, 
the creator economy is uh, going to be such a huge part of Web3, and that's been something that I've been so focused on, is that influencers um, like me and others who are able to monetize their brand and sell a product or a skill right now are having to work under big companies um, who take 30%. And uh, I think we're tired of that, and we want a way to be able to monetize our brand and product and to be able to receive 100% of the benefits. And uh, Mozverse is aiming to make the best possible impact towards the creator economy and uh, not overrule them and to democratize it and make it as uh, seamless as possible for the influencers to get on and be a part of it and to really embrace it. So I love this concept of the creator economy because it feels like that is what people need to pay attention to. So tell me if I am wrong or if I'm far afield on this. I think that your generation, I don't care if your neighbor who's 20 wants to be an engineer an accountant, whatever it is, that they're going to be coming from and through a filter of a creator economy. So it's in essence, it's not just someone who is on the content side of things or the branding, that this is just the word like digital natives. You're sort of creator natives. That's what it feels like. And that we have to jump on board with that because to your point, you're going to be, you're authoring this next chapter. Should we think more broadly about the creator economy? And that that's what's really going to flourish inside, like the Mosverse? Yeah. I would agree with that, and that the creator economy has definitely a bigger impact than people know. I think influencers have more power than people realize as well. And uh, I think we're starting to see it. The Paul brothers are fighting Floyd Mayweather and <laughs> other people. And uh, uh, Mr. Beast has uh, a nine figure brand, 10 figure brand, maybe. Um, the, the power of influence has never been higher. And yeah, I think um, Gen Z is definitely driving it to your point where it could be your 20-year-old uh, engineer neighbor. And uh, I think everyone is taking in content from someone that's contributing to the creator economy as well, right? Everyone's Googling and going on YouTube and trying to solve problems and those are the people driving it, right? Um, so yeah, it's um, definitely the uh, modern day problem solver solution where we're going and those are the, the future generation stars um, as opposed to the people coming up now are going to fade away. It's going to be the influencers, the YouTubers, the TikTokers. As uh, much as people maybe want to fight that, those are going to be the, the A-list celebs coming soon. Danny, what is the opportunity for corporations? When we think about the Mozverse, we're just from an industry perspective. You know, we said earlier about that one, you know, uh, not to be named iconic brand that, that just was very like standoffish about the metaverse in general, right? So what, if they're listening, right? But like, what's the opportunity maybe that they don't even realize? This is where the world's going. This is where the market's going. And this is where your aging consumers are going. Five years from now, Zach's gonna be 25. 10 years from now, he's gonna be 30. This is, this is, this is how he operates. And this is how he's gonna continue to operate for the rest of his life. So I'd say for them, more than listen, they need, they need to engage and they need to get involved. Um, every part of their business is going to be affected by this. Can, can you give me an example just from my own sort of edification, like to understand how would that, how do you think it would play out? Like if we talk about a chief metaverse officer and these sorts of things, like whether I'm in manufacturing or I, sort of you pick whatever you want. I'm just, I think it's fascinating to think about how you think through the sequence of how somebody might incorporate in a metaverse into an existing company and product. 
Yeah, so I'll give you a super simple example. Um, I was on a Zoom call yesterday. I was on several Zoom calls, right? And I was with another business. And, uh, you know, let's say pre-COVID, when there was a lot more face-to-face meetings, right? A lot of times we'd meet at, we'd either meet at somebody else's office or we might meet at a coffee shop, right? Like a Starbucks and and have a meeting in person. Um, For a brand like Starbucks, those meetings are no longer happening. If Starbucks had, you know, a publicly available metaverse, right? It was just a virtualized coffee shop, right? Where I can purchase Starbucks merchandise. And it was just open for me, for me to be able to host, right? Some sort of a Zoom meeting in that virtual Starbucks, you know, I'm not act, you know, physically at the Starbucks. It's a huge opportunity for Starbucks. Every single meeting that's taking place cannot happen in a virtual Starbucks and Starbucks move lots and lots of merch that way. So does it require, so that's a fascinating example. Does that require a change or sort of a recalibration in our understanding of what we're buying and selling? Right. Cause if we, you know, sort of old school classic, it's like, I'm going to go sell Zach this pen or this bottle of water, right? Like that's the transaction. But yeah. we're talking about sort of changing a sales cycle and understanding sort of the role and the influence of seeing a brand being within a space branded as such and how that might impact my, my behavior as a consumer. Right. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, the, the bigger thing to, to sort of consider is how we sell something as opposed to, you know, what we're selling. The what we're selling is going to change a little bit. Uh, you know, if you think about the amount of time, you mentioned earlier you have kids, you know, the amount of time your, your kids probably spend on social media or they're just consuming content. There's a lot of value, you know, there's a lot of value in that. The, the downside to that is that, content that they're probably contributing in some ways, right? Like what's coming out of this creator economy is that the creators of it don't really own it. Who's, you know, who's benefiting the most off the pics that you're posting on Instagram. It's not you, it's not your family. It's, it's, you know, it's the company behind it. Um, so I think brands need to recognize that there's these changing channels and this whole, you know, this whole new sort of this whole new world that they can start moving merchandise through. If I can start digitizing, right, creating virtual forms of these items that I currently sell so that your kid can, you know, use it as an AR filter, right, or or uh, place it on their, you know, avatar in some game that they're a part of, uh, you know, I think there's massive amounts of opportunity there. And, and that's, you know, to kind of help answer, you know, what might change in terms of what you're selling. And then how you sell, I think, is probably the bigger thing to look into, which is, you know, what are these new channels? You know, what's a new way for me to sort of show my product to my consumers in, in a more immersive manner, in, in a manner they can better understand and better feel and better connect with, right? And I, I think the metaverse is the, is the perfect gateway to, you know, just kind of help facilitate that. So I want to be careful in this, we're talking about a pandemic, right? Because there were a lot of lives lost and, and families impacted around the world. But I have to wonder if there was a, there was a silver lining in that it forced us and those that are not creative and technical, uh, t- talented like you guys are, to experience a world where the majority of our interactions were actually through a Zoom or sort of not within a physical space, that that could actually collapse timelines in the adoption curve to feel a little bit more comfortable in the metaverse, to participate in the Mozverse and go, I didn't know I'd be doing this now, but I'm here and I had two years of sort of virtual meetings. And so this does feel like a natural next step. This is not just, oh, this is what the other younger generation is doing and give, give them 20 years for it to sort of take hold. Yeah. I mean, I, I think even if you go, you know, back way, but go back to, 
you know, before I was even born. Think about the early days of computers, you know, these big refrigerator machines. You'd only interact with the computer in, in an industrial setting if you happen to work at a company that happened to have a computer, right? And there was sort of this transition to where most people that worked at bigger companies had a desktop, a big desktop computer at their desk. And then there was this transition to where most people had, you know, most families had a desktop computer in their home, right? And, and that was sort of how you would connect to this digital world. And then that sort of transitioned to where most people had, you know, laptops and computers were portable. I could take my computer, you know, to, to the library with me. And that's how you connected to the digital world. And then there was a huge transition to where every day is a mobile device. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm sort of, I'm not quite, but very close to always connected. And I think the metaverse is just the next iteration. It's just, you know, a closer fusion between IRL and, and like this digital world that we spend lots and lots of time in. What do you think, Zach? I agree absolutely. In the pandemic, which, you know, you spoke on as a sensitive topic and um, one that, you know, shouldn't be taken lightly, but I think there were a few silver linings. And the fact, I think that's what allowed us to originally brainstorm and come up with Mozverse. Yeah. And uh, so it, it was born really during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I would say our voyage into NFTs was also um, driven by the pandemic. I uh, we had discussed doing a virtual world, you know, for Mozverse, and uh, this was years ago. Which in uh, any other space, you'd be like, "That's oh, not that long ago." But for Web three, it's like sure. four decades. <laughs> it's like dog um, years, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> like dog years, maybe even more so. And. Uh, this was um, a little bit, you know, after we had already, you know, started discussing the virtual world. I had uh, went over to interview a uh, friend, Logan Paul, in uh, L.A. for uh, talk about uh, his brother Jake's upcoming fight, which had no fans there, and uh, <laughs> the buzz was hot. No one had anything to do, and uh, well, before I was interviewing him, he um, was telling me about NFTs, and he said, "Zach, you got to get into NFTs." And uh, he, he said, that's how you're really going to make money, you know, and um, him and uh, Big Mike, who's also there, we also just got for the commercial, were telling me about it. And um, that's definitely a version of the creator economy. And uh, I went to Danny. I said, Danny, we got to get into NFTs. You know, this is what's this is what's uh, happening. And he said, if I uh, build a platform to, uh, to create it, you know, can uh, can you sell it? I said, yeah, I can get it to my people. And uh, that's where. Uh, I think the second turn of the company went and now um, we keep shifting and moving and um, I think the stars are perfectly aligned for a 2023 launch with the way it's moving with the brand starting to come around as you spoke about earlier and all our all of our ideas coming into fruition with I mean absolute legends like Scott Storch in the fold as well. How do you, how do you build trust? We're talking a little bit about uh, we think about like the cryptocurrencies and all these different elements that are sort of swirling and we don't even, everyone sees all the headlines, right? And some of the big news that has happened recently, it makes me think more about how do you not only build trust but sustain trust with those that will be calling the Mozverse home that will say, "Man, I want to be there because of the NFT marketplace." I you know. It is a brand. It is a sort of an entity. The spirit of it is I can trust. I know they're going to pivot as the technology changes and the demands of the consumer. And it's a home for me. So how do you at least conceptualize the con you know, the thought around trust and the people that you want to be bringing in? Yeah, and we're a business built on solid fundamentals and one that's entirely self-funded to this point. Right? So um, I think that's a big point, right? That we're not throwing dollars into and a lot of them. Yeah. 
this is not around. a fly by night, which so many people no. I think get so concerned about, right? Yeah. Because we're so used to the, you know, that you got to test it for, you know, <laughs> eons. And it's, it, if that doesn't happen, then we sort of lose consumer confidence. Yeah. So we don't have a token either. No, we don't have a token. Unlike, um, you know, unlike most of what you've seen come out of the crypto community over the last couple of years, we're very traditional in terms of the foundation that we built our business Business values. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, where a lot of companies, a lot of projects put together a white paper, you know, i.e. Like, ideas, hopes, and dreams, and, and they're able to raise funding on that, and they hope to take that funding to build out a product. You know, we sort of did in the reverse. Like, and not, not the reverse in, in uh, the modern sense, but, you know, what you'd actually do traditionally, which is build, you know, build a product, invest money, build a product, build something that people want, test it really well, make sure, you know, make sure it works really well, and then bring it to market. And that's what, you know, that's what we've been focused on doing for the last couple of years. So I'm going to wrap on this. I'm going to ask you both individually. So I'd love to know how you think of yourselves. Danny, are you a, are you an entrepreneur? Are you a creative, a creator? Are you a vision? Like, what do you think of yourself? Because I think it's fascinating, especially for, it's like recently I moderated an event for high school students and with VCs, right? And to watch their eyes get big, to understand the chasm between them sitting in the audience and these individuals that are representing, you know, $50 million deals, it feels so far, but yet they have such aspirations to get to where those people are on stage. And I think it's fascinating for them to hear from entrepreneurs that have had success, even at an early age, um, because I think we can learn and sort of lean into that as we get to know and connect with people on a much deeper level through a metaverse and a Mozverse. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, deep down inside my heart, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I, I think more than anything else, I'm a problem solver. And, you know, some of the problems that, we're, you know, that I spend my time solving may not even exist yet. Um, but, you know, that's, that's what I say, Ann. When, when did you realize that you were good at being an entrepreneur? Was there a moment where you kind of laid down at night and said, it's like someone realizes I've got a talent. Yeah, for, you know, for me, I think it's been the opposite. I, I never, you know, I never feel like I've done enough or I've, oh. I've quite gone there yet. Uh, and I'll probably be that way for the rest of my life. And I, that may be what drives my success. Um, but I'll let you know if I ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds a little more old school in that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's healthy or not, but. But it drives you. Yeah, it definitely drives me. Is it fear of failure or just the pursuit of perfection? I just feel like I haven't done enough. Like there's more in me, you know, why hasn't more come out? Why haven't I, you know, why am I not producing more? Why have not, why have not created more? Why don't, you know. You haven't bumped into a ceiling. I haven't bumped into a ceiling, no. no. Zach, what about you? How do you describe yourself? And, and you know what? Let's play a little game with you in this regard because you're good with your words. Obviously, you're very engaging, right? Is let's say you can't call yourself an influencer. Oh, sure. <laughs> I would say. Um, I thought I'd stump him there, Danny. No, yeah. I would say, man, I would say, um. But the biggest thing as far as the Mazatron was that I am is a relationship builder and an evangelist. An evangelist. Yeah, and uh, I, I like to evangelize and uh, connect with the people. And, you know, um, I luckily have been able to build great relationships and we're able to leverage those relationships and to uh, stick to good business fundamentals while leveraging those relationships, right? Not blowing millions of dollars of our investors' money or something insane like that. And uh, aside from that, man, I'll, um, I won't say influencer. I'll, I would say, uh, God, uh, a little bit tricky, you. Um, <laughs> I always say a sports analyst, a commentator, handicapper, you know, on the sports side of things. And yeah. that's uh, 
that drives a lot of what I do with Mazras as well. And live stadium is what gets me going and thinking about all the unique experiences that we're going to be able to provide to sports fans across the world and boxing and football and basketball and the World Cup's going to be there. And the Mazras is going to drive it all because we're ahead of everyone else. And uh, yeah, that's uh, it's really exciting for me. So I would say I'm all of those things and uh, I'm getting hyped up thinking about it. And just like Danny, um, I never feel like I have my thing. I always feel like I can do more. I'm always feel like um, I haven't done enough and that uh, try to squeeze more to do into my work day. And uh, no, I'm never satisfied or think that oh, it's good enough. You know, um, there, there's no uh, place. There's no place for me to be sedentary or to relax or put my foot off the gas. We're working 24 seven around the clock. What does this guy mean to you? Uh, uh, he means a whole lot. Um, Man, uh, without him, we wouldn't have anything, right? He's the, the building block. He's the, the background. He's the the guy who puts all together and makes it all happen. Like I said earlier, he's the absolute biggest um, expert in the world as far as anything to do with blockchain technology. And uh, he's certainly a visionary and someone who understands the power of branding and influence as well along with that. So he's a unique cat who can, um, he's a leopard who uh, can change his spots. I like and, that. Uh, he's able to put on different hats and to understand. And another thing that is really well is he's able to not only conceptualize it and build it himself, he's able to explain it to others. And a lot of people that are freakishly smart and have the type of understanding aren't able to describe it to other people as if they're not as educated as they are, which obviously is so much. He's such vast knowledge, but he's able to break it down, explain it to anyone. So uh, I think that's another really unique thing he does as well. Danny, what's it like to hear Zach? reflect on what you mean to him he'll never say it out loud so i have to say it <laughs> what's it like to hear him reflect on just your impact on him uh insanely humbling uh i'm blushing a little bit yeah i mean you that's the makeup thing you, you know you know what's so interesting is it's a little bit like i had a moment just hearing you talk about danny zach where i'm thinking i wonder if i'm gonna look back and this is sort of like your goodwill hunting ben affleck matt damon moment where these two young guys who are who are not satisfied, and I mean that in the best right way possible, meaning you're not just sitting on your laurels going, yeah, we've had some success in other things. We can just kind of play around here, right? You, you've put all your chips in and you're pushing as hard as you possibly can when it's controlled chaos and maybe not even that controlled. And yet I wonder if in 20 years, I'm going to look back and I'm going to see you guys on the cover of a magazine going, man, they did it. Like, I, you know, you get that sense. Do you allow yourselves to think in the future like that? Or is that part of the, the genius of the two of you guys as a team that you don't and that keeps you humble and on the ground floor pushing his heart? I have no time to focus on the future view. <laughs> It'd be great if I did. Boy, this is when I wish this was on video, right? Because Danny's face is great. Uh, you can't even think about the future. And you know, he, isn't that the irony though, Danny? You're actually authoring the future. Yeah. If there's anything I'm taking away from, from this discussion is that you guys are authoring the future. You're laying out the red carpet, Zach, right? And yet you guys can't think about the future. You know, maybe, you know, maybe part of that is we're authoring the future for everybody else, but it, you know, not thinking about our own future. All right, so we're gonna, I know I said we're putting a wrap on this, but I wanna talk about if, that very specific thing. I recently got to interview D DJ Cassidy, a savant, an amazing guy who's worked with everybody in music. 
and we talked about, you know, when he was 10, he would have his boom box on the bus and he ended up being the guy that when he was a kid, he was DJing every party, right? With all his friends. He'd be the first one to get there with all his records. He'd be the last one to leave. And he would sit there watching everybody else enjoy his, the fruits of his work, right? His effort. And just sort of the understanding, the evolution of his personality and going back and forth and the loneliness when, when I, you know, I can be in the audience, I saw him in a concert recently going, this is incredible experience, right? Does that resonate with you when you think about sort of you, to your point, you're building the future for me, but you can't maybe take the moment to enjoy it and think about it. It's Very much resonates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look how he physically just changed, right, Zach? It was like it really spoke to him. How do you how do you take that? Uh, I feel the same way. I don't even like to think about the future or what can possibly happen. I'd rather just be in the moment and do it because I feel like that would take away the drive and the desire to keep wanting to push and go forward, right? When you get too uh, settled or too relaxed or feel like you already did something when you really haven't done anything, right? So until uh, we change the entire world, um, I'm not with you. Yeah. Well, I am not into the handicap business, Zach. I'm a sports fanatic, but I'm going to handicap. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. But I'm, but I'm going gonna, gonna to handicap here that you guys are, you, you have the ingredients, not that you're asking my perspective, but there's something here. There's an, there, there's an energy and electricity, and there's a, uh, which is amazing. I think we all would love to have this. There, not that it's blind confidence, but it's sort of, you really don't care about the rear view mirror because you're going forward. And that is both admirable and I think it's inspirational. I wish both of you uh, great success in this next year. It sounds like it's going to be an incredibly expansive year. Not like dog years even more, right? To your point, Zach. And uh, and I'm sure that everybody's going to be hearing a lot more from Zach and Danny and, and Mozverse in the very, very near future. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. Thanks for taking the plunge into Headroom, where we uncover the why behind the what and who impacting our lives. Headroom is a production of Rainlight and co-produced by our friends at Old Soul. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, and this is Headroom.